Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. everybody, welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Hilford, joined by Josh Hello, Brown And the return of Jules Gill, Hello. who's been away for way too long, months on end, he has. I grew my hair and I shaved and it off again. Went into trek. the wilderness, found myself, didn't like him, came back. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jules, are you a fan of Fortnite? Oh yeah, unbelievably. I mean, I rock my Fortnite t-shirts, I'm dabbing everywhere. I, where where, where I is do, the time you're right, not dabbing? Do, yeah. do, do you know, actually, and this is not me just trying to do, do a bit i didn't actually know what Fortnite was for the longest time for about a year until after it came out and right. this is somebody who works quite intensively in the game oh, that's most I, of the industry. I, because somebody just said oh it's just exactly like daisy and i was like but for kids and i was like well, that doesn't, doesn't appeal to me then but the, the oh. whole version of that initially was that weird like wave-based thing where you had to defend stuff this isn't yeah. at all what the podcast yeah. is but what were you gonna say i can't remember i was just gonna say how did you manage to avoid that in this office because of the fact that i am very good at tuning you out thank you <laughs> yeah you are to be fair i always come over i'm like jules Jules, Jules, and I know you're not listening to anything on your headphones. I know there's no music going in there, and I just forcibly remove them from your Do you know what the thing is? I'm actually listening to one of your voiceovers as well, so it's actually like a double. I still tune them both out. You can't tune me out, though, which is why we're here now. That's very true. I had to get them in the room. But yeah, so uh, Fortnite had the whole end of season 10 thing, big live event, um, which I still think is brilliant. I sort of just wanted to take what happened with Fortnite and use it as a uh, leaping off point to talk about the general idea of live storytelling and the role of stories in games and things like that. Now, to just uh, clarify this, point this season game ending Mm. thing that you were telling us about before I watched the clip before we came in and it seems that like they've destroyed the original map it's so cool I don't understand how that works so uh, the the game's got multiple maps and areas or is it just got one it's one one big map yeah one big map with a lot of different areas so when it it says it destroyed the original does that mean that it's been built on that much that the original map has now just become a part of a much bigger world well we, that's the thing so the, the thing that happened if you haven't seen the clip or whatever is that at the end of season 10 every single player um, that was like you know logged in at the time or whatever saw a rocket take off in the middle of the map which connected with a big warp thing in the sky yeah. and resulted in this cataclysmic world ending event that threw all the players off the map they then watched um, the game itself kind of just disappear into a black hole like players and maps and everything all went into one big black hole if you were in the lobby at that time all the menus fell apart and they all went into the black that's hole that's amazing it was really really well done um, I think it was a really cool idea and so right now at 
time of recording, uh, if you go on any of the, the official streams or anything, it's literally just still the black hole because they don't know what's going to come next. Oh, right. So it's either going to maybe be Fortnite 2 or whatever the hell. Um, but I think that as a general idea, it's an incredible thing to do. Like, because apparently about 6 million-ish people watched it. It was like mm. 4.5 mm. on YouTube and 1.2, I think, on Twitch. Um, and it's like, that's just a, a great way to have everybody see one big story event. So I guess just as an opening thing, what do you think of that in terms of being like a unique thing? Oh, I think that being Fairly there at the cusp of an event or something like that, I think that's it's fa it's fascinating because one of the best things about video gaming as a whole is from you know our youth before the sort of rise of the internet it was a case of word of mouth would spread the legend of could you get move if you went and like mm. pressed a under the truck or whatever a million times mm -hmm. all these like video game secrets the urban legends that grow and grow and grow this is basically taking that and applying it to a generation that's never been more connected but still making it feel like an exclusive event yeah. you were there seeing it happen mm -hmm. you were there in the lobbies but what if you won you'll never get to experience that but you'll get to see other people's reaction and I feel like that exclusivity that is amazing because like, um, obviously like Fortnite's reputation is all over the place I don't make up I don't play Fortnite like, I used to when it first mm. came out but I don't really care about it anymore but like in terms of them doing this thing um, I was saying to Josh when we did the news on it like it make, makes me think that they've just made like a life memory for a whole new generation of gamers like when those people mm. get to the edges that we are the old creaky past 30 for me and Jules but not you Josh not oh. yet oh, you're going to get then, one day your yeah. hair is just going to go all hair's like. gone <laughs> Hair gone, you know, metabolism like, gone. Those KFCs are going to catch up to me. Man. Um, excuse me, what are you trying to say? You're trying to say that once you get fat, you get fat? No, <laughs> I'm just saying that, you know, uh, my diet isn't good in that. You're, you know, you're eventually... a fat ice, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what they call me, big fat ice. But anyway, the, um, the whole thing about this is that... Um, Obviously, the whole thing with Fortnite, like I said, they've sort of created, like you said, this exclusive event that I think yeah. a lot of people will talk about going forward. I think it kind of hinges on what they do on the other side of it because they've, like, the thing is, right now, Fortnite is offline, ostensibly. You can't play it. Obviously, they can take this risk because it's free. But, like, you know, like, if you try and log into Fortnite right now, all you get is the black hole thing. That. So, sorry, that that that's interesting just hit me. So, so they're taking off one of the biggest selling and most profitable games right now, ever made, yeah. and yeah. you can't play it. But, Not right now. But then imagine the influx of players who oh will my. come back. That's right, 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 from a marketing perspective. Oh my god! This has just hit me at how brilliant this is. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely genius because yeah. then you get people like us who haven't played Fortnite in a long time, couldn't care less. talking about well, we do because we're making a podcast about this. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, we we care about this instance. We care about this instance of you know. Making memories yeah. and you know these experiences so imagine all the people who watched this or played it and were in the moment when the servers went down and the map disappeared imagine how many more players are going to jump in for when it comes back mm -hmm. online oh, imagine yeah, they're going to want to see yeah what's exactly changed. it's not going to yeah. be just the people who were playing it's going to be lapsed players like us who want to be a part of that moment and we'll jump back in probably if we have time plus and get in there right now um there's about 50 60,000 people on the official twitch channel just watching a black hole because they're waiting just for in something case to happen yeah. yeah and like the the thing is if you follow up on it on the uh, on the chinese listing of the on the Chinese version of the Epic Store, and um, there's a, a thing that says that like, the event will start on the 14th, which is obviously right now, today. Right. Okay. Um, at the time of recording, it's still a black hole, but assumedly something's going to happen by tonight or whatever, because obviously there's a financial reality to Fortnite being offline yeah. or not being played. Do we so. know how much they're sort of air quotes losing by being? I don't. Offline. I tried googling that. I don't know what its average take is. Uh, I guess they lot, wouldn't. Though. They probably wouldn't publish that sort of. No, but it's like it, but... still though. Like uh, the thing is that I think that the core of it is that they've done a major creative risk, and you yeah. never see that from a company as big as Epic. Because like although like although Fortnite doesn't really have like it has lore but it's really got a story. I love that they've done this big story based event, or at least it's being discussed as a story. You know, mm. it's their way to reboot the island or reboot the the world as it is. If they cool. if they come back, the 
in my opinion, the best thing for them to do would be to announce Fortnite 2 because I mm. feel like uh, it, you're getting to the point now where it's it's not it's got level based stuff, hasn't it? And like, uh, does, do people hit level caps and stuff like that in this I game? Mean, there's there's a cap, but yeah, there's, but there's the definitely level. You get loots and, and you get yeah. and you'll get the character the skins and stuff that mm-hmm. you want. Like, if they want to make a ton of money, they just go Fortnite 2, everything's reset, and you've mm. got to start all over again. I mean, it's the franchise, uh, the franchise, and the annualization of video games mm-hmm. that you see. Like, you get your team to the top. And oh, next year you've got to start mm-hmm. and get the team. It's really to the top. weird because, like, obviously, like something like Rocket League's been going as like a single platform since like 2015 or whatever. Yeah. And, like, like Fortnite's obviously been going since 2016, and they've done multiple seasons. This is like the, the end of the tenth season, but the season just tends to be a reset of the different skins you can yeah. get. And then sometimes they change things in the map. Like they've done stuff with different like warp holes appearing in portals and like bringing different items in from different timelines and things like that to like spice up the game map itself. But they've never done anything like this where they completely like make everything disappear and whatever. But if you're epic. This is a way to sort of, you know, take it offline for a day, let people breathe again, and then you mm. launch with something new, whether that's a new map do you or know? Whatever. Do you know what it reminds me of? And mm. this is a very strange uh, reference. Go on. Do you guys remember when Cocoa Pops wasn't called Cocoa Pops? Oh, I can't believe that's uh, right. I took a drink a before you said that. Wasn't what I expected. Almost choked and died live on a podcast. Okay. So back in the day, uh, Cocoa Pops, for some unknown reason, changed their branding to become Choco Krispies. Yes. And they, their theme song used to be, I'd rather have a bowl of Cocoa Pops. That used to be what it yeah. was. Then yeah. it changed and they tried to fit the new name in. So it's, I'd rather have a bowl of Choco Krispies. <laughs> so basically what happened is, is they got you to phone a number yeah. to say, do you want to change it back to Cocoa Pops? Mm. They got an inundated amount of calls like with people paying like a couple of quid each time just to vote to say I want it back to being Go Go Bops again <laughs> it was a self like uh, it was a ruse they yeah. basically conned you out of there because they had no intention of ever keeping it and yep. this Fortnite mm-hmm. thing is exactly like that Reminds because me of- it's drumming up interest of something that yeah. isn't, wasn't even dwindling wasn't do- no, doing no, badly but it's like, it reminds me of like it reminds me of the Pasta Hut change that went back to Pizza Hut we had Pasta oh, Hut yeah. for a few months well, reminds me of Opal Fruits and Strawberries as well this is the thing this sort of Starbreeze? marketing Burst. gimmick Burst. has happened so many times before you mentioned the Cocoa Pops you mentioned Pasta Hut which I forgot even happen. <laughs> Obviously, I think the biggest one's New Coke when the, uh, the oh, company yeah, released yeah, New Coke yeah. purely so people would complain and want the old original <laughs> formula back and then they brought it back then sales skyrocketed yeah. again. Mm-hmm. This is like a tactic I think a lot of people outside the gaming industry use quite a lot mm. in marketing for products or bands use it all the time. I, I follow the 1975 and every time they do a new album cycle they literally do what Fortnite did. They close all the social media down yeah. turn all the images to just pitch black uh, right, nothingness right. and then they'll reboot it day or so later with all the the new um, you know aesthetics and gimmicks and songs and stuff so but we've never really seen that in video game terms we've never really had the platform for that to even happen we Mm. haven't even had live service games for a well on this sort of level where they're constantly changing at a sort of base level yeah we've got seasons and stuff but we have had things similar in the past, like yeah. World of Warcraft and subscriptions and things that have set the foundations for something like this to happen, mm-hmm. I would say. Because I was going to say that the World of Warcraft one is probably the first instance of a I sort of like gaming event. Because the way that it started was that there was a boss and uh, it could kill you by applying an effect right. onto your party that would just drain your health immediately. It would be basically like, like hyper poison, let's just call it. And the problem was is that the devs, for some reason, didn't code it so that the ability could actually affect your pets. So that meant that when you would your pets would be infected, right. you'd bring them into a uh, a non-hostile area where you can't engage in PVP, but because of the it, the poison effect, it would damage and kill people inside of an area where they had no idea how to counteract that. Right. So you'd end up with literally entire servers being full of just dead bodies because and no one being able to like get in there resurrect that their That was characters. intentional though. Well, that's the thing. The devs have gone on record saying 
it wasn't the way that they planned it, but it did allow them right. to kickstart a new sort of massive gaming event or a world event, as mm-hmm. they coined the term for it. So basically, they turned a huge PR disaster into one of the biggest selling points of the game because everyone walked around going, why is my character dead? What's mm-hmm. going on? Mm. Then they ushered in this whole, I believe it was something to do with the Leash King. Like, right, like, something, something like that, wasn't it? Like a necromancy. I've not been much Warcraft. That's the thing. I don't know that, that this one off the top of my head, but I know that it had something to do with like, oh, the dead are rising. You've got to avenge them right. sort of thing. So they just turned a huge blunder into a massive, massive like positive. Yeah. Because like Warcraft especially, like they've done things where they've had like, obviously the Christmas events, everyone goes and meets yep. up at certain points and you trade gifts and stuff. And then Destiny has like, I mean, any sort of live service game tends to like transform their hub world or something. And you get that shared experience. But I can't think of any games that have done story events or they've done like meaningful no. animations in front of people like one of the only other ones um, again I brought this up on the other video but like um, is Elite Dangerous um, and I just I love that they designed an entire alien alien invasion but only one player saw it and it's like one player was just like you know driving around all the lights on their ship just shut down they were like what the hell's going on and mm. this giant ship just came in above them um, and it was like only that one person saw it and they managed to record it on whatever they were playing and they put it online and it was like guys has that anyone else so, seen this they're so lucky that they actually recorded it I know, know. Like, I guess if you played it as someone who never saw it and it's like well all that work's kind of wasted then. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then someone else has to go and do it but I think like yeah in terms of like ways to implement live storytelling it's an entire new front of like narrative that we just haven't even seen and it plays into like the idea that gaming, gaming is an active music you have, yeah. to, you have to approach events like that with the same thing that you're trying to do with any sort of product in this day and age, which is you have to try and get viral marketing mm. to work for you. It is if you went out there and just said, hey, look, this game's got some DLC coming out, blah, 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 blah. Here's a trailer. Yes, you <laughs> might get thousands and thousands of views and people going, oh, wicked. I can't wait for that. But it's a case of it might just be bypassed by the casual fan. They might just like not see it. But if you make it in, ingrained into the game itself, or where you log in, there is like a war going on. Mm. And you're coming in and going, what the hell is going on for this like event? Yeah. And you're going to get more invested in it because you feel like you're shaping part of the game's mm-hmm. narrative rather than the game yeah. telling you its narrative in a different form. I, I might argue the inverse of that in a way, sure. because although that is very sort of engaging and it does encourage you to sort of like stick around, you can shape the world. I do think there are so many possibilities that are just kind of being underused when it comes to games as service and having mm. these living breathing worlds that you can change you can sort of you know morph into something interesting and have these unique events that make these memories mm-hmm. but at the same time i can also see from a developer or a publisher perspective of you have something good already you have fortnite which is so popular mm-hmm. like even though this is very much a marketing trip trick and even a gimmick potentially it's still a risk because you're still messing with the foundation of something that players you know love and have responded to and mm-hmm. want to yeah. you know continue playing on like that original fortnite map it's changed massively since it first launched, but it's still something sort of, you know, distinctive to that game. And people, you know, love it. People mm. are familiar with the areas. So to suddenly, if they do change that to something completely different, then you might risk losing people along the way. But for me, it's sort of, it's worth the risk because you do yeah. then get those interesting new possibilities. Mm-hmm. You get to be exciting, you get to be daring. And a lot of people, I think, like you said, will still be invested in it you, as long as you just take that step and give them something good in return. Mm-hmm. As long as you're not taking anything away, as long as yeah. you're not replacing it. And I, then I do think it would work sort of like New Coke or like Pasto or something yeah. where <laughs> you get to have something new and exciting. And then further on down the line, you, you get, get to, yeah. you get to double up, you get to bring the other, other maps back, you get mm-hmm. to cash in that sort of nostalgia, as it were, and 
people will respond to that as well. It's an easy win. All those examples, like, yeah, like New Coke and Pasta Hut, whatever, all those ones, they all reverted back to what they were. Yeah. So it's like history kind of dictates that as much as a bigger risk as this is, oh, short nights, uh, Fortnite shut down and we're going to try something drastic, like that, you know, black hole thing will undo itself and what'll fade back up is the same map again. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I mean, there's already like fan theories online that have kind of looked into, because Fortnite, some of the other Fortnite, Fortnite events have involved them, um, superheroes and like alien entities and stuff coming through Thanos, the map. We, and, they had Thanos as like a, like a bonus mode, but they've mm-hmm. had like random figures appear in the sky and things like that okay. before that have like flown through the map and then disappeared again. Um, and there's already like a fan theory that there's like seven previous visitors and seven uh, cycles to the world and this is the seventh one or whatever. Then the whole thing is just one giant loop, which is like in itself kind of a, well, it's not, a, not an intentional comment on gaming loops, but it, that's kind of what it is. And it's like, that's the thing. If they have lightning in a bottle with Fortnite and mm. where like three years later, like how many, how much can you really risk that without changing what Fortnite is? Well, this is the thing. Speaking about lightning in a bottle, there's one game at the <coughs> moment that I feel is on the cusp of doing something incredible if it does what a lot of people are hoping it mm. is, and that is Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm. With, with the introduction of these, zo- these air quotes zombie characters and these dead uh, bodies that people are finding with the bite yeah. marks and stuff like that on... Rockstar have managed to seed the world without any information or any lead up, but have managed to get people speculating so much that it actually has seen a massive increase of people logging on to go and find mm. these bodies of themselves. So what they've done is by just putting in a few mistextured models or whatever, even if it was a mistake, they've managed to drum up interest by doing nothing. Mm-hmm. If they are to capitalize on this, then I bet you anything Red Dead Redemption 2 will shoot straight back to the top if again. If that was actually now. like stealth releasing Undead Nightmare 2 or something. And it's they, like, yeah, yeah. They, they do that. Then the next couple of weeks, they maybe have people uh, NPCs saying something like oh there's been reports of an outbreak or something like that mm-hmm. in this area you go there you can't find anything or maybe you find like, one or two people but the moment that somebody finds like a living zombie yeah. enemy to kill everyone's gonna go nuts. I would love yeah. it if they just stealth dropped in a horde of zombies in one part of the map who kill a bunch of players and then they, the, the, they then share it from there the perfect place for that is in the that bio area you know when you're like yeah, going yeah. along and you can hear all the people whispering sometimes mm-hmm. in the, swamp, the really swampy bit mm-hmm. imagine if you just go there and you hear something you go along and you think ah oh, it's just like another one of those little creepy things that it's not gonna amount to anything mm-hmm. Horde of zombies there, and you're like, oh god! <laughs> it's like undead nightmare begins, sort of thing. And this is the perfect time of the year for them to do it. Totally. I mean, if they, yeah, that would be great if they've seeded it in a way to then capitalize on the Halloween rush or whatever. Because undead nightmare two has been rumored for a while, but they haven't mm-hmm. done anything official on it. Um, but I guess just like ex- expanding it into like the role of stories in games, like mm. it's weird because I've kind of like thought that maybe the very idea of a story in a game is something that was more like a flirtation across the 2000s because it went away so much this generation. Like there are only a handful of games that you can point to that are genuinely well written. It's like this generation's been such a has doubled down on mechanics so much more especially this year mm. like uh, Osley our editor was asking like what's the best video game story of 2019 and we genuinely couldn't think of anything and it's just like you've got like Observation Plague Tale mm. uh, Mortal Kombat 11's campaign is brilliant Days Gone's kind of solid enough but then it's like nothing like God of War 2 or Red or, um, sorry God of War or Red it's, Dead 2 yeah. it depends on what you're looking for mm. I guess because it's like I would consider like a game like Blasphemous to have a great story right. but it's one that's told like Dark Souls in pieces in piecemeal mm-hmm. around so you're actually filling in the narrative yourself so you want something that you, what you get out of it and yeah something that you can hold up and go oh man you've got to play this why because you need to play this Control story. was good Contr- I had Control down here I think Control is like immaculate world building but I don't think it nails it's like story beats but it's, that's closer to something that, the storytelling like, is very off-putting yeah. to a lot of people I can understand that because it's not spoon-fed yeah and and in terms of like what actually happens if you lay it out on like cards it's like well this happens then this happens then this happens yeah. there's like three events in that whole yeah thing. you actually just go oh it's actually relatively yeah. simple yeah. Yeah. it's just told yeah. in a completely disjointed manner yeah parts of Control are absolutely outstanding but mm. like yeah like little like that's the thing trying to like actually like think of like really great like I said God of War Red Dead 2 tier 
games. Like it's like for me, that's overall a it's reflection. Gotta be, on... It's got to be Red Dead too. Forget for, for the story of the year. For me, so much so far from last right? year. Yeah. Oh, it is from yeah. last year. Yeah. Wow, that has flown by. I know. You <laughs> figured that before, but it's like yeah. In terms of like uh, 2019 games that can kind of hang, like for the most part, this has been a year that's doubled back down on um, game mechanics. Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I said MK11's uh, campaign. Yeah, I think so, that yeah, that's brilliant. probably. Um, but that's the thing. Like, there's so many games that are like mechanically heavy, like Apex Legends, Borderlands 3, Ghost Recon, Anthem, Far Cry New Dawn, Ultimate Alliance 3, Surge 2, and Crackdown 3. Um, like, they dwarf the amount of games that are known for stories. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, that's the whole thing to bring this all back around, I wonder if that's because the way that games tell stories needs to evolve, and something like the Fortnite thing is a way for it to evolve, like an active way of telling a story. Mm. For me, I'm not sure if it mm. necessarily needs to evolve, because like you said, even though they, they are much rarer than they used to be, we still get those sort of conventional story-heavy games like God of War, mm-hmm. like Red Dead Redemption, which do, you know, heavy list, heavy lifting when it comes to kind of like cinematics and authored, you know, finely tuned and finely delivered stories. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like ever since the start of games as a medium, we've had a different sort of method of being able to tell stories. And mm-hmm. those are the emergent kind of experience that we that we get up to as players, like mm-hmm. the ones that are unscripted, the the hassles we get into. Every single morning, Ewan has a new story about what he's done on Red Dead Redemption <laughs> yeah. Online. And he'll yeah. come in mm-hmm. and relay this tale about how he was trying to track down this bounty and how it went wrong and the characters he met along the way. And none of that's scripted. All of that is just emergent. There might not even be any lines of dialogue. True. But that doesn't mean the story itself is like it's kind yeah. of bad or worse off than a more author one. I feel like when we share our experiences, oftentimes they are in terms of the things that happen to us mm-hmm. personally. And I guess that's kind of what happens with this Fortnite thing, even though it's a grand sort of thing that everyone has uh, experienced if you're in the game or watching. Each individual person experiences that in a different way. We mm. see it through someone else's yeah. screen. There was a player that was on top of the rocket when it Someone's took Someone's on top case. of the rocket, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I think that that's what separates um, that kind of storytelling out from both just this cinematic focus, but also just kind of talking about games as rote mechanics. Because mm. even though I do think gameplay loops are kind of overtaking to the point where it's just kind of it numbs you, and yeah, you've got totally. nothing else, you just turn your brain off and you're playing through a game. And that's fine, because mm. that is, can still be enjoyable and it can distract you from whatever's on your mind at the mm-hmm. time. But at the same time, you've got this completely other, other different branch where it's using those mechanics and mm. using the environments and using the yeah. characters to you know have things happen to you that won't happen to anyone else. Else, or at least not in the exact same way mm-hmm. and then that in itself becomes a video game story oh yeah I wasn't necessarily saying that like um, yeah that's sort of like oh, no, filmic course, yeah. way is worse but it's just that yeah like that's the thing like yeah they do evolve with the tech planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. 
With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Technology. Do you know there was one um, uh, example of gameplay-esque story uh, driven that I liked, which was um, actually shown in Battlefield 1. Mm. Do you remember they introduced that whole thing of like the three stages of hell or whatever it was called, where basically like you would go into a conquest, oh, kind of a war, a war Oh, thing. the operations yeah. mode, yeah. So what happened was is that you'd go through one map and then the winner or loser would actually dictate the outcome or the setup of the next map yeah. and then it would go on and on and on. You like a, a, yeah, and you'd have a little cutscene and narrative. I <clears> loved that because <throat> it felt like it was, even though it was the same story being told every single time and with only like two choices each one, mm. I was still like... This actually makes me feel like I'm part of a war effort with a, na a natural yeah. beginning and a natural conclusion. And I feel that a load of video games lose themselves in this persistent war. Yeah. Like, <laughs> For Honor is a great example. Mm. They told you that you would be playing as these different factions and they would uh, be, and you would, could win areas and take over and control the land and stuff like that. But it never happened. It never, one side mm. never dominated enough to go over there. But I would love it if they actually made it so that, say, say the samurais, uh, like, took, yes. o took over one area. Maybe, like, if they took that out and held it for, like, two days or something like that, then an in game event would literally lock it, as mm. in, like, a fortress would be there. Yeah. And the, the Vikings, if you were playing as them, you would start with half health for, like, the rest they, of the like, thing until. You know what I mean? Like to make it feel like you were mm -hmm. telling a story. Like For Honor tried to do that, but the, the it's in game economy didn't benefit it. Like you could yeah. just break it with the microtransactions. And, that, and that's where we come from, come <clears throat> down to. Mm -hmm. It's like the storytelling only happens if there's money to be made. This, well, for, yeah, this Fortnite that, stuff yeah. only is happening because they know that they're going to make an absolute buttload of cash doing it. Mm -hmm. Like the Elite Dangerous example that you've gone, the word of mouth has probably yep. meant that loads of people mm -hmm. have gone on and played it. Like, there's no incentive for them to go out of their way and say, hey, look, here's ushering in a new age of this if it's not going to net them well, a absolute buttload. That was going to be my follow-up thing, is like, is there a financial uh, profitable reality to a story in a video game? Do we mm -hmm. actually need stories in video games? Like, I would miss them. I do miss them right now this year. Some some games obviously can't exist without their mm -hmm. narratives. Like, it would be impossible to think now of the God of War series without having a huge branching narrative. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it, But if it was 
a Sony first party hack and slash game where you just play as a dude. Like, you always got like a sentence I, to set you off. I, I listen, listen, you know what I mean? I'm just going to say that Dynasty Warriors is coming into the floor now. <laughs> like, Dynasty Warriors has told the same story, the romance of the Three Kingdoms for nigh on 20 years right. now. Like, it is the same story every single time. And it's not known for its story necessarily. But, yeah, because the fact is, you just know it from the stages and the hacking and well, slash. So that would stuff. prove my point. You could totally have franchises. Like, that's the thing. But like, if you changed it, <laughs> well, that's what I would say. Everyone would go mad. But it's like, I guess, like, because, like, you know, you go back to the 80s and 90s video games you got way less storytelling you get like mm. enough of a motivation you know this land needs saving this villain needs killing or whatever and you just go and we enjoyed those games for what they were but it's like across the 2000s obviously you know 3d became hd and you got that sort of influx of like cinematic um you know storytelling and cutscenes and stuff but that's kind of gone away like it's still there in spots obviously yeah. it's still there but like this generation it's become everything's become way more mechanic focused with live services and loot boxes and everything else i'd agree with that i don't think that the industry sort of doesn't need stories or whatever to like sort of be a success because mm. i still still think that you need you need diversity in like the kinds of games that you're pumping out and if mm-hmm. everything was just mechanically driven and sort of like you know gameplay loop driven you would eventually get sick of them I think I feel like you need stories because That's we respond right to stories so much to, like, like we, we love talking about them we love like talking about characters and we love making videos about them mm-hmm. I feel like there's just sort of a, a part of human nature that I love sharing you know stories whether they're authored or you know made up mm-hmm. by your actual gameplay experiences but at the same time I think the kind of facade of needing a game story that's gone away like you said right. the age of you know the Xbox 360 generation yeah. every single game no matter what it was tried to have a story and we tried to go and ape Hollywood we tried to be cinematic and it, eventually we just kind of thought you know wh- why why yeah. why are we doing this video games excel when they're being video games you don't need to hammer in a story to try and justify them as kind of art mm-hmm. or worth playing you don't need that element because the core elements that are unique to the industry and the medium they can excel on their own and that's ultimately why people sort of come to them in the first place you know Mm -hmm. i'm not coming to any kind of modern military shooter that wasn't call of duty in the late 2000s for its story there was just you know that was just there because it had to have a story you know but the campaign's really good for for call of duty but i'm talking about like ripoffs like battlefield 4 right yeah yeah i don't remember (laughs) a single thing about it and i played it all the way through and i even as i was playing i was just like wow this is yeah fell over really nicely yeah <laughs> hey that was really good I, that, I, that was multiplayer wasn't it that yeah. happened in multiplayer as well. the only time I actually got uh, excited about a military shooter storyline was Homefront because it was written by mm. the guy who did uh, Red Dawn was that right the, I don't know if it was but it was definitely the it was, premise it was, yeah, yeah. There, there was some writer that came on and did like a really really good job of it and the story itself was mm. really interesting I wouldn't mm. say it's good but it was interesting speaking of like, the gameplay um, was crap though yeah, was, <laughs> was, speaking of Homefront as well like Spec Ops The Line like that game's gameplay was like formulaic and totally fine everyone just thought it was going to be a really arbitrary basic you mm-hmm. know Gears of War style mm-hmm. thing but what William's story is immaculate and like yep. is, is still talked about now like all the time when we yep. do any lists about subversive games are underrated or overlooked mm-hmm, or whatever mm-hmm. it's always Spec Ops and it's always because of the story that lasts yep. longer than a series of throwaway game mechanics Ghost Recon has already been forgotten about because Breakpoint is crap I think that's a really what? really actually good it is, you've not seen it. Whoa. You've been away for two. Well, you have been away for a long I time. Was out, I, was, I was out for two weeks before it was like, hey, man, do you want to get play, play, play Breakout? And I was just like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> is that your impression of me? No, no, no I was, was going to swear and I had to stop myself. Good. Yeah, beforehand it had John Bernthal and now it's just burning. It's, oh, that's hey, good. That's really good. He hasn't even got a dog. You've what, practiced you, that a little I've bit. I've not. In the mirror. Yeah, like, like, like taxi driver. You've got a little joke with me. 
Anyway, you're going to uh, say something, I believe. I can't remember. I think the point was, yes, we forgive, obviously, you know, uh, games, a game that has really great mechanics. If it's got a naff story, you're yeah. kind of just like, oh, we'll, we'll, yeah, it's serviceable, but the real meat is on, you know, the gameplay aspect. Yeah. But at the same time, we do that inversely with great stories, like you said, in something like Spec Ops The Line, where we will talk about that, and then we will use the greatness of the story to justify mechanics that aren't so good. So mm. I feel like, to me, that kind of sums up why stories are kind of still necessary and will never sort of go away because oh, yeah. if when you have a great story game it doesn't need to have great mechanics to be good mm. and if you have a great mechanically driven game it doesn't need a great story it's weird isn't it because well. they, they're kind of like they are almost mutually exclusive like it's like you'll put up like you said you'll put up with a like a good story sorry you'll put up with bad gameplay mechanics if the story is good or vice yeah. versa um, but it's like things like, like I've got down like microtransactions live services season passes games as a service they're all things that get away from storytelling they're all things that don't benefit three act structures yeah. or building to climactic points or whatever and like it kind of gets in its own way like it's like the, I feel like the gaming industry has become entirely a gaming industry like this generation and um, there's only a handful of games we can hold up as like really worthwhile stories yeah. but then it's like especially this year it's been very mechanically focused but yeah, I was just I was just thinking about the huge um, disappointment that a lot of players experience when playing Battlefront Two mm-hmm. uh, because that story was uh, bigged up as being uh, an essential part of the Star Wars. We canon. talked to the writer. We did. We did indeed, and he was nice and he was very happy with the work that he'd Much done. Time. It was just a shame that the uh, implementation of the story was uh, was quite weak mm-hmm. overall. But I felt that that detracted so much from the end result that I really wished that it wasn't included. Yeah. And that's so sad to say that it's, but it just goes to show that if your game mechanics as well, and obviously we know all the rest that went on with Battlefront 2 mm-hmm. with its loot boxes and all that stuff, but if your story is bad, then don't include it. Like, like, if, if they, like the Call of Duty saying, oh, we're not going to include a campaign in this one. And people went nuts for it. But then they turned around and just said, listen, you little oiks, if you finished the campaigns, maybe we put more of them <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, that's true. But then, like you said before about the But that was just me. That's me doing impersonation, not me actually. That's literally with what them. Activision sound like. Yeah. But um, yeah, you told me like, that was the whole thing with Black Ops 4. And then, you know, Jules said the whole thing about, like, you know, there has to be a financial reality to putting it yeah. back in. Modern Warfare is getting its campaign again because the, the gap made by Black Ops 4 made it a desired thing again. Mm-hmm. So, it almost it need, they almost needed to take it out to make people go hey hold on no we need that yeah. and yeah. then they brought it back again whereas they, you probably wouldn't even get a Modern Warfare reboot with a campaign if it wasn't for that stuff no and uh, it was the same with sort of I guess Titanfall as well mm. when Titanfall mm. original didn't have sort of a conventional campaign it had that kind of story driven multiplayer thing that didn't really work and everyone <laughs> was, was like no oh, it's just bare bones people need a campaign but not a story. that yeah. was kind of a one that worked out quite well though because then you know Respawn did put a campaign yeah. in Titanfall which too. was actually mm-hmm. it was actually oh, really good you know Perfect. I adore that thing. Because, um, yeah, one of the things that I was going to say after like you know, listing all the microtransaction live service stuff is, like, do you think that, like, overall this whole, like, like this sort of changing of the guard to, like, to put more impetus on mechanics hurts the medium overall? Or can gaming still excel through just really solid mechanics? Obviously, that used to be the case with the arcade mentality in the 80s and the 90s. But for me, if you're going to start putting feet in, in cinematic presentation across the 2000s, you should carry that through and keep going. And there are games like God of War, Red Dead, Death Stranding mm-hmm. is coming out soon that and everything Naughty Dog does. Mm-hmm. Um, the Last of Us Two. I think the reason The Last of Us Two is being talked about so much is because it stands out more now. Yeah. It's like here's like here's some characters that you love and you know, and here's a story that we're all going on together, and that's just such a powerful thing. I don't like how much it's become that it's almost a risk to do a story based yeah, exactly. game now versus how much of a demand there were was for it in the early two thousands. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying before, every game had its cinematic experience, and maybe it was so full of itself that it overcompensated, and we had a glut <laughs> of it, and. Now we're into the mechanics thing where it seems that you stand out more if you have a fully-fledged, non-online component, non-lootbox-centric mechanic 
and are just doing a story. People mm-hmm. are just kind of like, right, what? Because, yeah. <laughs> like, Control, like like I said, an immaculate game in the vast majority. I don't like the way it ends, but I think the, the vast majority of that is phenomenal. Right. But that hasn't sold at yeah. all. Because I, because I was just going to point out to you, there's a reason why it is listed as a double A title. At some point, somebody looked at that and were just like, okay, your gameplay is great, your graphics are great, when they're not characters stuttering, your characters are great, and your story is convoluted, but still brilliant. Why are you not a AAA title? Mm. What You have all the makings of one, but why are you not? Oh, yes, it's because you're not going to make us and Fat Cat over here yeah. an absolute <laughs> bank. Maybe. I mean, like that was the whole thing with, uh, in Remedy's case, breaking away from Microsoft after Quantum Break because that didn't seem to go down very well. And then they ended up, um, I forget who they hitched up with to do Control with. Oh, my God. Um, 505. Um, 505 games. And it's just like, they, like you said, they kind of went with almost like a double A publisher. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's just, it's weird the way it shook out. For me, it gets, I get a struggle with sort of, you know, because Control hasn't really sold all that well by the looks of things. Like, yeah. Which ex- sucks. Which, which, which sucks. It's great. <laughs> I don't want to make the sort of EA issue of, you know, mm. making putting that on the single player like mm. alone like being just saying oh I didn't sell because it was single player no one cares about stories without like yeah the marketing is there's a lot of other elements that you have to sort of you know consider before you just go straight to the story and just say well no one wants to play a story driven game so yeah. you know now they're yeah, but, dead but that but that's what people are going to see that's what their yes. bo- their bottom mm. line is it's like it didn't sell what was that game about this is what it was about it that doesn't sell at that's the same it, time God it's, of War Red Dead. it's yeah it's always sort of you know yeah, but God of War and Red Dead were handled by huge huge publishers and given loads and loads of boosts and like money. And, and, well, they were, yeah. and, and they were both and they're both from previously successful franchises mm-hmm. they were and they were both uh, original in their concept back when story driven games were a big big thing true I think with them it, I keep hinging a lot on God of War and Red Dead because I think they are like they're the zenith of, there's so much money in those games especially oh, yeah. Red Dead 2 and it still pulled it off and it's like but yeah like, it's weird like obviously those games are so labyrinthine and humongous and they still kind of Red Dead has its multiplayer component but like the amount of money that was put into the advertising I, for me Control's biggest issue is its, is its messaging it's its yeah. advertising and we I, barely knew it was coming out until it, it was I'll out, tell you what as well I feel like at this point I don't, I don't know if publishers and developers are interested in making up a new franchise that people will care about in the same way they do Red Dead or sort of God of War. Like I was looking this morning and Uncharted 4's um, sales, or maybe it was all the sales. Anyway, it was something ridiculous like 16 million copies. In those are single-player games. That's a single-player sequel. But people cared to see the end of sort of Nathan Drake's Mm, journey. People stuck with the developers and the publisher for that long mm-hmm. and wanted to see these characters you know get a send-off and that translated over to sales it's when you expect those kind of mammoth success stories to happen the first time around for you mm-hmm. to deliver control and then you look at it and you say why didn't that sell five million copies oh i guess it must be a mistake no one yeah. wants to buy single player games i guess we're gonna can this and play anthem There's like also- psychonauts is a great example of yeah. that as well mm-hmm. it's a game that was reviewed so so well by so many people and yet didn't shift because and I'll let you fill in the blank because I don't know. Because they don't know. Because Microsoft didn't know. No one knows why it didn't do But yeah. it just didn't hit that sweet point. And sometimes it just it just happens. Mm. You think you've got lightning in a bottle and you have this amazing concept, this amazing idea, and yet somehow it just doesn't take off. For mm. love nor money, you can't figure out why. it's like a lot of the industry, like, you know, it is geared to, like you said, like in terms of the risk, the, the money that it needs to make back. Like, it's the it's the in thing for the biggest publishers to make games as a service, to have recurrent, <clears throat> recurrent spending methods or models across months and months of game yeah. time. And you don't have that if you just do a story and I think they're at the top if they're crunching the numbers that is like well why would we bother rolling the dice and putting all this effort in all this development time to make something that's only going to really have a window of a couple of months as opposed to making something that could monetize for the whole year well look at Anthem Anthem, yeah. is, Anthem is still selling like hotcakes despite everyone and their mum absolutely bashing horrific. it yeah like yeah. <laughs> this is the thing like, it, like it's it's 
being critically panned now and even the player base is sort of turning on it and yet they're still playing it mm-hmm. because that's uh, I don't know why it's just hard to break the cycle they they went from Destiny to that and now they'll probably jump to Borderlands 3 because there's similar qualities mm-hmm. to that and then maybe they'll jump into another it's just looter shooters I guess looter yeah shooters, that's, that's like the whole idea because like, there is yeah people some people absolutely adore looter shooters and mm. just play them as for as long as possible I remember when like something like Borderlands 3 dropped and it's like within the first 24 hours people have hit the level cap and things like that that and is same uh, with Destiny oh. it's just like they're going to live on those games as much as possible but then obviously once any publisher realizes how much money that stuff makes it then filters through to everything else yeah. um, to roll it all back into Fortnite um, and bringing stories back into it I think having a live event story makes it more financially viable because it makes people check in it makes them play something on a, a longer timeline waiting for the next thing to happen oh it would make me more invested in a game if I knew that if I logged in that something might happen that was out of the ordinary like what puts me off the most about games as service at the moment is even though people say you only need to log in for like 20 minutes a day just to go and get your daily rewards and tickets and boxes and stuff like that, why should I? <laughs> it's, give, give me some actual sort of like reason and weight to behind my thing because at the moment it feels like I'm just literally clocking in to go to work literally, yeah, like, yeah, I, literally. I don't uh, want my game to be work games, so as a, games as a service means that it's like yeah it's retail service like I'm working in a bar <laughs> like you know what I mean like it's a service industry do you shift every day uh, yeah. and this sort of links into what you said uh, a little while ago Jules about when you're doing sort of you're having those mechanically driven experiences and you're just sort of playing through chicken Checking off, checking off, checking off everything. I'm not. I'm, I'm really hungry for chicken. I think uh, <laughs> checking off checklists. Yeah. If that doesn't impact the world and you're not actually changing anything when you're doing yeah. that, what's the incentive to do it? Just mm-hmm. because you get more XP, just because you know you get a level up your character. That's to me not anymore. At least that's not enough incentive to actually you know spend 20 minutes in a yeah, game. If so. I was doing, if I was clearing out zombie nests in you know days gone for instance the only thing that changes in the world is that then there's no more zombie le- zombie nests yeah, no yeah, one really comments yeah. on it it doesn't change how I interact with the game it doesn't change the environment everything kind of just stays the same or at least it's a, either you know a, a black and white situation where there are zombies now there aren't mm-hmm. any zombies and that's all you're really you know doing it doesn't fundamentally alter the experience mm-hmm. in any way and it doesn't include this kind of story yeah. you're not progressing really there's not is there's point A and there's point B and it's kind of yeah. like whatever happens in the middle who cares it makes you wonder just very quickly it makes you wonder if we only care because we were around for the 2000s if there's a whole new generation Maybe. of gamers that are coming up on Fortnite and everything else like that on games as a service and microtransactions and whatever but we had Bioshock and we had the like we had the spotlight shone on agency in a game mm. and why do you care what you're doing in this game and that's just went away I feel like the one thing that really needs to change soon with this whole games as a service uh, model is that they need to find a way of allowing player interaction to go back to the person uh, in, mm. that's making the game if for example you're logged in and you've got your daily spin on the old loot grind or whatever but it gave you as well as all of these a single coin and that coin or whatever translates to a vote and that vote allows you to say what would you like to see in the next update what would you do to see that then I would log in every day and do something like that because I'd feel that my vote would therefore be put in with Mm -hmm. with many other to shape the way that it's going would it mean that a new DLC co- uh, comes early or would it be that a new character skin gets unlocked if we all vote for this mm-hmm. thing, mm. sort of thing that would make it feel like there's much more of an engagement mm. and you are therefore as we were so- talking about at the very beginning yeah. shaping the story of it because you are saying I want this is the direction we want to go 
out. Mm-hmm. Which is what, like, um, I remember with um, <clears throat> Square Enix trying to do with their augment your pre-order thing for yeah. Mankind Divided. Yeah, I mean, that was awful. That was awful. But that was the whole, the whole Way point. to take my concept. No, no. Like, like, my point is. That's what they would do. That's a cool idea. They make this really greedy. No, my point is, though, that they tried that before launch, before you were invested. They tried to make you pay more before you were actually in it, as opposed to giving you something up front and then continuing a story across, you know, X amount of time with you, with their whole player base voting for different things to happen. That would be a great way to do it. And like that also proves the power of stories because like you said, it would yeah. get you playing. Um, and even reading that thing on uh, Fortnite this morning, I was like, I kind of want to play a little bit of Fortnite. Then yeah. I thought for a second, the, I didn't do it. The, but, you know. the thing is, is that about um, game developers have to find a way of making their games not feel like a cycle, but uh, making it feel that like there is a start and an end to there. Because the moment that you start seeing things in their rotation and seeing mm. that I'm just... Uh, getting in to grind to get more loot to grind to get more loot to grind to get more loot then you start just going well what's the point there is no end game but if you tell somebody that there is something coming in the distance then Mm -hmm. you start thinking hey this actually has a purpose we're working towards something yeah Yeah. even even FIFA which I suppose you could argue is one of the most I think it's quite quite a good point I hope it is please let me know Uh, even with FIFA which you know is sort of one of those rote franchises that comes out every year people say you know nothing's really changed and that is kind of true that recently implemented a story mode but even before then you had a career mode that people would invest a lot of time in it wasn't you know a big cinematic thing but it gave you enough justification enough sense that you were on a journey or you were building something up you were building up a Mm. team team you were getting them promoted you were getting them relegated you were signing new players you were going into the future and you were sort of building an enterprise as it were Mm -hmm. and i think genuinely that's partly why that game succeeded before you had uh you know the online portion before you had ultimate team because you had you wasn't just the same match over and over again it kind of was but it wasn't framed like that it wasn't just you know game for the sake of game it was a a match that contributed to an overall season success you were winning points you were losing points there was still a framework of a story there quote unquote that you were working like around that Mm -hmm. sort of made it more satisfying than just rote gameplay I think it's just just overall it's it's narrative investment and it's just like I remember uh, Yatsi Kosho for Escapist said that the vast majority of games this gen you can put into two buckets either they're games that inspire you make you feel something or they're games that numb you and like and it's Mm. true like the the whole numbing thing Mm. is something that keeps coming back over and over it's like once once you're hit up front with a certain gameplay loop most most AAA games now will just let you do that loop over and over and over and over again um, and that can be incredibly satisfying, but it also is numbing. You can only ever go downhill from there, yeah. as opposed to something in a story context or a narrative context building to something else. Um, and I would always say that's why something like God of War or Red Dead 2 matters more than a Ghost Recon, an Anthem, yeah. a Borderlands 3, yeah. an Apex Legends. Um, but yeah, let us know anything down in the comments below if you're watching on the video side or come find us on social media if you're listening along on the audio platforms. For now, though, this has been the What Culture Gaming Podcast, and I've been your host, Scott Tilford, joined by Josh Brown. Goodbye. And Jules Gill. Goodbye. I will catch you next time. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.